Hello, wherever you are in the world today, welcome to Beyond the Art in our series, The Stories That Carry Us. I'm your host, Craig Beaumont Flynn, a citizen of the Cherokee Nation and the Delaware Tribe of Indians. In each episode, we will discuss with various Native American artists, influencers, art leaders, and everyone in between their experiences, the communities they serve, and the translation and interpretation of the Native American art world today. Kenneth Johnson, a Muscogee Nation citizen and a jeweler, sculptor, and designer. Welcome to the show, Kenneth. Thank you. Appreciate it. Great to be here. So uh, we're very glad to have you on the show today. So why don't you go ahead and tell us about your story? My story begins, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I was born in Lubbock, Texas, of all places. Uh, I, <laughs> I know about federal policy because the day my mother graduated from Shalako Indian School. They put her on a bus to Lubbock, Texas, and they they wow. uh, they spread Indians out. And so, uh, yeah, I uh, I was born there, but my mom brought me back to Oklahoma, which is where the Muscogee Creek Nation is, and also the Seminole Nation. Uh, and so, I grew up in Oklahoma City, also in Tahlequah, Tulsa, Wyandotte, Norman. And so that's because I'm a boarding school kid. I grew up at Indian boarding schools, and it's part of my legacy wow. because you know what they do at Indian boarding schools besides all the other stuff you hear about? Um, they teach yeah. arts and crafts. So my arts and crafts keeps kids out of trouble, and that's kind of what they did with us. So uh, that was my first experience so that, with is that the you, arts. So that's what um, you kind of gathered and thought, well, I can make a living at this and got interested in the arts? Man, I never knew I could make a living at this until I moved to New Mexico. So I, I, uh, I was a college student at, at University of Oklahoma, and I, uh, um, I wanted to move to uh, UNM uh, Albuquerque and go to UNM. I was an engineering student. It definitely wasn't involved in the in the arts, but watching the culture in New Mexico, man, you can make a living at art, and that's something I couldn't do or wasn't aware of in Oklahoma. You know, I think uh, that people had been doing it, and uh, I was unaware of it. Uh, and so it was an eye-opener to know that you could make a living making art. And that people would buy your stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the first things I traded for, I, I made helps. a pair of brass <laughs> earrings, and it was, they were $15. And I traded for two enchilada dinners in Old Town. That was, that, I loved that. Oh, wow. Was really it, was it a barter? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a trade. So what's your perspective of being a Native American and art, an artist? What does you that know, mean to you? Uh, I think it's interesting because we have a, our own subculture within the larger arts world, you know. I think being a, a Native artist is is very special because you have a distinct uh you know a distinct community but the other part is uh, it also excludes you from the larger art world because they many uh, historically considered uh, indigenous arts as craft only and uh, right. not recognizing the the art that goes into it doesn't uh 
was never put in the same uh, echelon as uh, the world art. So, you know, there, there's a dichotomy. So I, I love it. And also it's, uh, you know, something we, we also want the main stage too. So how would you describe yourself as an artist? Oh, uh, a lot of hand motion and then things like that. No, just, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think about uh, myself as an artist, it's an evolution because I, I was a, you know, started off as a college student and, and kind of thrown into jewelry world and then figuring out how to work with, within my own culture. And, uh, you know, like I said, I moved to the Southwest and, you know, it was challenged to, to work with my own, uh, elements of my own background. And so, uh, tooling up and getting the skills and then also the experience and combining that into a career, uh, that's, uh, taken over what, 33 years and I'm still evolving. So okay. I, I've got, uh, that's longevity materials. Yeah, yeah. There's some longevity. I think about, you know, I, I've seen a lot of uh, our elder artists that, you know, they, they work smart. You know, they're not uh, uh, mm -hmm. they're not working as hard because they work smart. I remember early in my career, I, I would do 15 shows a year. You know, that's more than one a month, just traveling and doing uh, going to shows, going to uh, conferences and uh, et cetera. But now I do maybe two or three and that's, uh, mm. you know, just a little more focus. And, and I'm also diversifying into sculpture and installation art. So what got you started and interested in being a jeweler, a sculptor and designer? What, why did you go that direction instead of a painter or a potter or working with uh, various other materials? Part of it is the people who I met. So when I first moved from Oklahoma to Albuquerque, I, I met a Choctaw guy. His name's Johnson Ball. And he's, he's, uh, he lives in Antlers, Oklahoma, in Choctaw country. I hope he's involved mm -hmm. in the, the nice Choctaw Museum, you know. That guy is a, a, a treasure trove of information. And he got me involved with jewelry and you know, I, I've enjoyed that journey. And what I really liked about making art is uh, you're part of something from beginning to end. So, you know, you start off with a raw material and, and have an idea and you form it and uh, you come up with a, a final design and, and you make it come to pass. Whereas uh, what I was studying in college was how to be part of a system, to be a cog in a uh, a large corporate wheel and I gotcha you're a part of a project but you don't uh you don't have the concept or you don't uh deliver you know you're just part of it so that's what I liked about the arts is you're, you get a lot more direct interaction well how would you describe yourself as a, an artist with a lot of hand motion to Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Again with hand motion. Are these jazz yeah. hands or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, jazz hands. A lot of hammer. Uh, we say every artist has to take that picture like this, you know. Uh, right. 
would describe myself as an artist. I, I work on in, by intuition a lot. Uh, I like to sense things. Uh, if I'm working with a person for a special project or if I'm working with a material, I try to I get a sense of what the material is about uh, or think about concepts that I've imagined. Uh, or uh, I, I read a book uh, that influenced me that was, uh, you know, drawing on the right side of the brain. And it, it delineates uh, left brain and right brain functions. And I have to understand that you know, while I'm in verbal mode, that is that is left-brained, and you're mm-hmm. speaking and, and talking about things that have values and weights and uh, uh, you know characters. But on the right side of the brain, you deal with spatial awareness, uh, color, and, and other undefinable uh, things. And so, I I I like to make that transition, you know, out of the verbal and the the that physical into the intuitive. And that's where a lot of incredible creations emerge and being aware when you're in that state, when you lose track of time and you're not trying to pronounce the, you know, or name something or, uh, right. define something, you know, that that's a lot of people look at artwork and say, the, the common questions are, you know, how much is that? And so it's a number. Right. Oh, how long did it take you? It's time or uh, how do you do that? And they want to process. But the uh, the real intangibles are, uh, are what's speaking to them, you know, and that's that's where I like to live. So to talk about myself as an artist is the ability to go into that world and create uh, from materials something that affects this world, whether it's a wedding ring whether it's a baby bracelet, whether it's a, uh, uh, a 62 foot egret that's in a hospital and a third, a 29 foot turtle that's emerging up out of the ground, you know, or a, a 7,000 pound Georgia marble, you know, they're, they're concepts, you know? So that's, that's how I describe myself as an artist is taking those materials and bring them to life. And, uh, it's not always about how much it weighs and how long did it take and this and that, you know, those, right. those uh, common questions. It's about those concepts and the larger ideals that, that are behind them. That's what interests me. So how are you inspired, given that you're multifaceted in different mediums? How are you inspired versus uh, creating jewelry then going to sculpting? I mean... Do you have something that you think, oh, well, this is going to look great as a as a bracelet or this is going to look good as a, a statue or another form of craft or artistry? Well, technique matters a lot. And so uh, coming, approaching a material, you have to uh, think about a technique. Uh, so such as marble, you know, is subtractive mm-hmm. process, whereas uh, uh, early, I think in the early 2000s, I started into computer-aid design, where we got into designing on a computer, and I I used to design for QVC. And so what I liked about that is I could design something on the computer and email my designs, you know. Uh, (laughs) And we got into... And it magically uh, appear. (laughs) Yeah, magically appears, poof. Uh, (laughs) What was cool is uh, I I used a mill, which is a... uh, I used a, a 
uh, drill, and it was a, a subtractive process. And now I've upgraded to a 3D printer, which is an additive process. And, you know, working in uh, something like Tufa, Tufa is uh, you're making, you're carving into a, a stone and pouring metal into that cavity to get a, a reverse of that design. And so, right, yeah. you know, there's additive processes, subtractive processes. And so the technology or the, the, the pr approach to the material really matters what you can do with it. And uh, so when I'm thinking about a design, like the, the designs that are behind me on the wall, uh, one is a spider. And that one, it's, a, it's about a three-inch wide bracelet. And what was cool about it is... Uh, you know, it's very light. I cut out a lot of the material so you can actually see through that. But what I was into mm -hmm. at the time was stone setting. So I, I got really into bead setting faceted gemstones. So that, that spider behind me is uh, black diamonds with a ruby. And it's all engraved. And the only stamp work in that one wow. is on the edges and right in the, that center line. The rest of it's just uh, all engraved. So it's like freehand uh, drawing, but in metal. And, and when I approached that, Beautiful. you know, I was looking at it like a canvas. So there's that center spider with all these southeast mound builder motifs. And then that, that sun symbol that goes down the center represents time and seeing the, the, that uh, action that's happening around that center stone with those diamonds. That represents flow, like a similar to a stomp dance. You know, it goes around in that mm -hmm. counterclockwise direction. And then uh, the little bands on the arms, on the legs of that spider, represent bracelets and armbands and uh, that kind of thing. So kind of like a, a, a tattooed spider. Uh, that's, right. that's what I was imagining. And, but what... Uh, what interested me was to come up with a, a nice, bold design. And a lot of people say, I hate spiders. <laughs> and, right, uh, right. you know, I, I just didn't see it that way. I, I, I thought it was beautiful. And, you know, it's a, a part of our culture. It's, it's uh, uh, historic, prehistoric design. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just worked to make it my own. And basic little concepts, you know, like the, the passage of time moving through the center of that or on the edge, you know, that represents us like a sawgrass or it's like a water, water plant element. And then the, the uh, woodpecker design over my other shoulder, that one was a, a statement piece where at the time when I made that, uh, I was vying for a magazine cover. Uh, the Santa Fe and had, uh, had, said, we want, we're interested in the image. So I started making designs and everyone liked butterflies, butterfly this, butterfly that, <laughs> dragonflies, you know, Dragonfly, that yeah. kind of creature. <laughs> right. But at the time, what got me was hearing that there was a sighting, an alleged sighting of the, the uh, thought to be extinct ivory bill woodpecker. Someone captured a, a part of that uh, on a video in Louisiana. And, really? you know, the I knew about the, our woodpecker design. And so I thought, man, I can't do a butterfly. <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't <laughs> go 
that direction. I had to do something that's not very well known. You know, that's the that's the Elvis of the bird world, you know. Wondering exactly. if he's really left the building or not. And, <laughs> you know, so I had done research at the Smithsonian on this, this particular design. And so uh, when I got to create that, I mean, nobody asked for that. I, yeah, I had been dreaming to do that, you know, just like uh, a lot of people were kind of scared of spiders, but I still had to do it. I had, it was the challenge of uh, uh, putting this thing that had been waiting to be, uh, it was waiting to be created. And so having that, that woodpecker in that right time you know, I, I knew it was the right time for me to make it. And it ended up making the cover of the Santa Fe. And, and so, uh, you know, I felt validated in that sense. Um, but I, I just, I love that design. You know, it spoke to me a lot. Uh, I spent a lot of time with it. And that's the other thing. I, I, I spent a lot of time in a microscope looking at with uh, a lot of uh, uh, magnification. And so, I get really mm -hmm. close to the work and it's hard to see what, what it is, what people see, you know, from a distance, you know, will they really appreciate uh, everything that's gone into it. So uh, I think my approach has changed over the years, but I, I still love the, I still love detail. I still work under a microscope, uh, but I, I've kind of relaxed a little bit and I go f more for the a look instead of being a technician. Right. I, I like that look. So when you when you do start creating, what inspires you to create? Well, you know, I, I read a book that is called War of Art. It's not the art of war, but the war of art. And uh, it talks about uh, the muses. So the muses uh, inspire creativity. And, you know, that's a concept, you know, I think... Uh, being ready to hear when the muse speaks and having the time, having the materials, having the uh, uh, understanding that this needs to be made, you know, that's important. So understanding when the muse is calling, mm -hmm. that's got to answer, answer that call. And the other thing is... Uh, <laughs> Someone's knocking on your door. Uh, yeah, yeah. The other part is just being... Uh, you know, uh, I'm a professional. This is what I do. You know, I go to work. I, I do spend a lot of time at work. And uh, we call them spinning plates. So I'm spinning a plate and trying to get uh, projects hmm. done. Is your process, do you have a a standard process in creating, be it whatever medium you're working in? No, the energy is different. Sometimes it's very uh, yeah. abrupt and just uh, you dive in and make it happen. The other times, man, I really ponder it, think it over and just uh, let it, uh, we, I let it ferment. <laughs> it can, I have to go let it, uh, set it down and come back to it, you know, uh, because I want it to be just right or uh, I may not be sure how to approach it or, you know, sometimes things like that. So some, some things are just very urgent and they, they just happen in the moment. And other, other things, uh, they, they take a lot of time. So when you are creating, do you just, is it something that you're conscious that you're a Native American artist and you take away from your culture and heritage and incorporate into the pieces that you're creating? Or are you just, 
it comes from within and it just happens to be indicative to Native American culture and arts. Well, just like we're here speaking English, uh, the voice that I use in art, the characters are often in the, the native uh, genre, you know, that alphabet. So mm-hmm. um, when I create, it's not just the awareness that I'm native. I, I'm creating for the sake of creating and letting it be what it is. But it's coming through me. And those are the characters that I use to uh, build those sentences to talk about it. Given that you're, you're Muskogee and you're part Seminole, correct? Yes, that's the Johnson side. If you know, if you know that's about Johnson's, Johnson that's the Seminole, uh, yeah, Oklahoma Seminole last name. Do you try to separate the two or just what comes out comes out? It's like, okay, well, I'm doing a lot of Muskogee-derived uh, uh, pieces, or is it Seminole, or is it just whatever is your hands are doing and your brain's thinking is what you do. <laughs> okay. Jazz hands. Okay. It's, it's a creek hand, Seminole hands. Uh, <laughs> I had to do a lot of learning about it, man. So being yeah. uh, Muskogee, I'm enrolled in Muskogee and also being Seminole. So uh, I had to learn more about not only our family, but also the, the history of the two tribes because they're related at one time, they were one tribe, but even that's misleading because the Muscogee, the Muscogees were a confederacy of many tribes. And so when the Seminoles separated, you know, there was also a few tribes within that separation, you know? So to say Mm -hmm. that the Seminole are just one band or that the Muscogees are just one band, that wouldn't be accurate. I I think, uh, so I, I've had to learn about, Muscogee and Seminole tribes and culture as a citizen. And our family is from the Wawoka area. And Wawoka, if you look at a tribal map, is on the border between Muscogee Nation and Seminole Nation in Oklahoma. So because that's a border town, that's why we're uh, that's why we're Creek, which is my grandmother, and we're Seminole through my grandfather. Uh so, uh, when creating, I, my, I used to be, uh, I used to think about it like, okay, well, Creeks and Seminoles used to be the same back, back in the day. And I was just, right. I was naive about it. And so my understanding has grown and so has that distinction between the two. So my mother, she taught me Seminole patchwork and I've incorporated I, I learned that I'm way better with a hammer than I am a sewing machine. Uh, so I still have my early patchwork that she showed, she showed me how to make. Uh, my uh, grandma, a manufacturer, she made patchwork. And, you know, I, I'll never forget. She, we were, uh, my wife and I were with her at her house in Sasako, Oklahoma. And she had a little country home. She had corn outside and cows and chickens, and uh, she was working late night. And uh, she says, you know, I'm I'm this old in life, and the orders just keep coming, and I've never gotten ahead. (laughs) And I thought, oh, my gosh, she's, you know, she's in her 80s, and she's still doing orders. This is, you know, it's not going to quit. 
uh, still making Seminole patchwork. <laughs> Quite an so, achievement. Yeah, I always. Yeah, well, and she had her sets of sewing machines, and you know it was really cool. But you know, I think you have to manage it right to. Uh, otherwise, you'll just kind of be a slave to the orders that keep showing up. You know, I, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. always think about her saying, I just, just can't get ahead of the orders. <laughs> oh, well, going back to your question, <laughs> well, you, you asked to- about uh, the uh, two tribes. So watching her make patchwork and how what's my take on making patchwork? So I, I had to make the distinction. I, I know I'm better with a hammer than I am with a sewing machine. And so I know I can make patchwork and, and textile, but mm-hmm. I'd rather interpret it in metal and stone. So that's what I do. And, you know, I have, I have that part of, of uh, my iconography. And then going to Muskogee, I, I really enjoyed uh, studying the pottery, the, the shell work, the copper work, uh, and just the, the essences and elements and incorporating that. And so just like uh, seeing the designs uh, on the wall behind me, that the woodpecker, uh, Chautauqua, you know, that, that got me to find out the Muskogee name for that bird. Right. You know, so unfortunately, that means I'm a bird clan, I'm a bird person. And so uh, my association, I, I pestered my, my grandma and all the other elders in our family <laughs> asking questions about, well, you know, where's our clan? Where's our tribal town? Where's our uh, family from? And who's this? Who's that? And so, uh, you know, that journey for me within our own family and then within our community has really helped me understand, you know, a design like that woodpecker design behind me, under uh, learning the word chichakwa. And it's actually kind of the sound that that bird makes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So learning uh, parts of the culture, just applying that to my artwork, you know, that's it's helped me in my my uh, my own my own upbringing. You know, what do you think is an important factor of uh, being a Native American artist? I think it gives me a, a jumping off place. Uh, the other part of that is I, I hear other artists talk about how they're limited by it. And I, I think, you know, it's just, you have to be from somewhere, you know, no matter who you are, mm-hmm. you can, you can, uh, it is possible to not know your background, like through adoption. It is possible to be uh, separated from your community and not, not have history, but you can still be uh, that creative native, you know, I've known, uh, I've, watched many people make their own way and so for me uh as a native artist i it's a privilege to be a native i mean for me to right. uh, understand the the wealth of our culture and to have community and to be from somewhere uh that lets me uh have a reference point and i move forward from that and i get to make my own way and i get to bring others with me so you know, I, I'm a let's everybody get up and go kind of person. You know, I I like to build teams. Right. I like to uh, I work with others. And uh, even though, uh, I don't know, I, I, I grew up as an only child, even though I have uh, brothers and sisters, you know, um, <laughs> I've had to make my own way. And 
You know, I'm, right. I'm grateful to. Uh, so when you ask uh, about being a native artist, you know, I, I think I really like our community. I like the uh, the the ability to draw from that. Is I'm not. I don't feel obligated to draw from uh, from my culture for my inspiration, but it often parallels with that. And uh, you know what? What I thought was interesting is in 1998, I got the Smithsonian National Museum of the American Indian Fellowship. It was a, uh, what do they call that, artisan residence. So I, I, went mm-hmm. to, I went to New York City and Washington, D.C., and also the Peabody, Peabody Museum, Peabody Essex. Uh, mm-hmm. And I studied artifacts there, and what was really cool is looking at what the ancestors did, I could look at a piece and, and like a, a shell, for example, and I could see if the, uh, the person who made that piece, if they started from the outside in or if they started from the inside out, uh, if they were left-handed or right-handed. And I could see their pieces uh, across a broad spectrum of other pieces so if someone was prolific or if someone was really mm-hmm. crude and they just gouged the line versus someone who really took a lot of time and you could see the gentle curve and that's how you could tell if they were right or left-handed uh based on Interesting. you know the, the curvature huh. of the lines in their work and so i got to spend time with it and so as a as a native artist understanding you know the generations before me and Time was different to them, and the tools were different. Yeah. But that uh, concepts were, were so alive to me. I, I worked, I still work to understand it from uh, an intuitive level. Because the, uh, the technology that we have as artists today is, is astounding. But it really comes back to the simple concepts of, uh, you know, what, uh, what speaks to people, what speaks to uh that what is that material trying to say? So, when you were a youth before you became a, a, a professional artist, were you influenced and mentored by individuals to kind of help direct you? I did not expect that question. Oh man, what a shocker! Uh, no, I, I saw you. <laughs> thank, thank you for asking me that question because you know I want to talk about two. Uh, uh, Mentors. Uh, so in, in our family, uh, so my family that, that lives in Tulsa, West, West Tulsa, Oakhurst, uh, I had an uncle named John Walkenstick. And Uncle John was a painter. He loved, he was painting on rocks. He was painting on canvas. Uh, a lot of these things were influenced by uh, Jerome Tiger, you know, people playing stickball and, mm-hmm. and elements of, uh, you know, kind of just Oklahoma life. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma right. natives. And so that, that was, uh, you know, that was a good reference for me. We just thought of him as the artist in our family growing up. But then going to uh, Seneca Indian School where they got us to do arts and crafts. And I was good at it. I liked it, you know. Uh, made a lot of macrame. <laughs> made a lot of um, uh, <laughs> uh, awful uh uh, painted pottery, that kind of stuff. 
but I really uh-huh. enjoyed it. Um, and I ended up going to Sequoia High School. And at Sequoia, you know, they're doing metal craft and wood, woodwork. And, and also the, uh, we would always draw napkins, always drawing a face on a napkin. And it was at Sequoia High School <laughs> where, uh, where I met uh, Enoch Kelly Haney. So uh, once a year, back in the day, all the Indian boarding schools in Oklahoma would have an arts and crafts show, and it would be at Sequoia High School in Tahlequah. Uh, so I was a student at Seneca Indian School at the time, and, you know, we made all those the God's eyes and uh, just whatever. You know, we made all kinds of stuff. We'd go down to uh, to Tahlequah from Wyandotte, mm-hmm. and you know we'd put all of our arts and crafts together, and they they would judge it or grade it or sell it or whatever you know. And uh, there was a speaker there. His name was Kelly Haney, and we sat in a classroom. It was a big deal for us to be in high school. You know, we're just little little kids, uh, but this. Native man got up and and uh, he drew a circle on a chalkboard, and he says, "What's this?" He said, uh, "Circle, or letter O, or zero." And right. he drew some more lines. He's what he said. What's this? Oh, it's a it's a face. And then he he just uh, he drew the rest of that, and it was the coolest Indian face with a feather that we had ever seen. We, on a place that had only had numbers and letters, he put art on a chalkboard and it, it was transformative. So that's why I say we always drew, we, we followed Kelly Haney's career, you know, through his, uh, his art career. And then he became a, a legislator and also a chief of the Seminole Nation of Oklahoma. And he started collecting my, my jewelry as a young artist. And so I got to know him as an adult and he mentored me in sculpture and, you know, he gave me a lot of great advice, uh, not only about the technique, but also about the business and just, uh, just handling mm-hmm. things. So, uh, he was an important person in our family's life. Yeah. Good mentor. Mm-hmm. Good mentor. Well, they are good to have, uh, and I help. Yeah. I think they direct help direct us. If we have this passion and this this drive, it's it's nice to have one say, "Okay, here you go. Here's the pathway." You know, to help, especially when you're younger. What what motivates you to create? And is there a, a, a time of day that you feel more inspirational or more driven? Yeah, well, like that, uh, like the book, The War of Art, it talks about an interview with Somerset Mom, the writer, and someone asked him the same thing. What do you write when you're inspired or do you write on a schedule? And he says, uh, I'm inspired. Uh, I write on I write on uh, when I'm inspired. Fortunately for me, it's at 9 a.m. every morning. And, uh, you know, (laughs) he he set a schedule. And so I, I, I strive to work. I, I used to work a lot of late nights, you know, into three and four in the morning. And, uh, that was early before kids. And then <laughs> having kids changes things. And so, uh, yeah. you know, my, my daughter would stay up with me until three or four in the morning. And we actually had her in a cradle board and would hang her on the wall 
and she wouldn't sleep unless I was hammered. And so, uh, I'll never forget, uh, <laughs> my daughter Seneca came, I, I had stayed up late and was, uh, I was laying in bed and this little three-year-old comes up next to the bed. I don't know, maybe she's three, pretty young. She shakes me and says, daddy, wake up. The jewelry's not going to make itself. <laughs> <laughs> I was so upset at her mother for telling her to say that. And and uh, my wife says, I didn't tell her to say that. She came up with that on her own. Anyways, uh, but yeah, I, I used to like uh, working late. You know, I like the solitude then, you know, no one's calling or bothering you. Uh, I also find uh, early mornings is really good. You know, I was in the studio at 630 this morning and uh, just getting getting ready for the day so i i find uh, uh early mornings and late nights are great times to create they kind of got not go together if you're doing an early morning you're doing a late night you gotta get some sleep some yeah. balance is there any pieces that really stand out that you've you've done in your career that are really poignant that like that's my soul that's that's my heart and soul is in that piece, and that's who I am. All of them. Man, they've all been me all at one point. Hey, what? Well, yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, look, look at this one. The, that This is an iconic symbol. I call it Muskogee Knot. And so, you know, mm -hmm. other Southeast uh, cultures embrace this also. But to me, this represents when when you're connected to a place or in a time or with the people that you're supposed to be with. And it just means you're alive and you're in that moment. And so, you know, that's a, that's a life element. So that's an essence of this, the, the turtle, you know, mm -hmm. I started making turtles out of coins uh, early in my really? career. Yeah. So I, I love collecting coins and, uh, Stamping them, making things out of uh, out of that, either in in silver or in gold or platinum. Do you most of your pieces are just one offs? Do you, or do you do multiples? I do multiples. Um, I think for a lot of my career, watching uh, watching other artists get older, I think you can only make so many pieces. I, I talked to uh, who is it? Uh, uh, Sonwa, Verma Nekwatua. I said, how many pieces do you make in a year? And she kind of averaged one every three days, you know. And wow. that's, uh, yeah, that's that's prolific for a high, high quality product. And so I work to have an entry level piece that I'll make multiples of, you know, using uh, computer aid design mm -hmm. and, and uh, lost wax casting. And, and we we will do hand engraving over that. You know, I, I like to do rocker rocker arm engraving, you know, which is similar with this. Uh, with the spider one of the, one of the basics with this is that uh, uh, it uses uh, the negative space here and then the high polished mm -hmm. areas. And then the black lines are recessed and there we use an oxidizer to blacken them. And then we use the rock arm engraving to uh, make a whitish area. So you get three color tones in that. And so I, I'll do that on a casting and get uh, 
greater detail and, and color, uh, oh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, banding within, within that. Mm -hmm. And so doing that in multiples lets me do that on a one of a kind piece. Also, I, I love, I love finishing. I love that. Uh, I call it glance value. So wh while I work under a microscope, uh, the, the customer or the, the, the end user generally will see it at the uh, arm's length, you know? So, uh, right. That's how, that's the, the distance you're going to see a ring on, you know, average. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's the distance I strive to have, create that look, you know, when someone walks up in a room, if you're writing, uh, and you see their hand, you see their ring or their bracelet, or if you're, uh, at, if you're standing there talking, you know, how does that pendant lay? What is the, what is your impression of that pendant? And so, uh, has nothing to do with what the question you asked, but that's how I designed. <laughs> and, okay. so, and so, yeah, I do multiples for uh, uh, entry level and then like for real custom stuff. I like the way uh, fine metals, uh, like uh, working with platinum and palladium, they behave different. They, they look different. They, they uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I enjoy... I enjoy working with that. I've taken up working in Mokomegane, which is uh, patterns or layered pattern metal. It's a Japanese technique, is similar to Damascus steel, and so that's that's something that's uh, that I've been working with. And, uh, that's always a one-off, you know, because your process uh, it it's very organic, high pressure and heat twisting, and uh, you end up with uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know. You end up with a lot of bands. Uh, okay. You can't see this. Nice. Yeah. It does. Does it fit? Does it fit? <laughs> yeah, it's a fit. Let's put it on. It's <laughs> virtual. It's a yeah. virtual sales right now. Virtual. <laughs> Do you take challenges and risk? Do you push yourself? Yes. You think? Yeah. It's, yes, definitely. Is it that inner voice or is it your daughter? <laughs> Yeah, I have a lot of voices in my head. <laughs> uh, so family motivates also. Um, uh, I always, uh, I just finished an installation at the uh, uh, Council Oak Medical Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And that's a, uh, it was a, it was a huge challenge because it involved uh, some installation art in, in the, in the facility, making a 29 foot turtle. I, I, my turtles are generally, uh, I like, like this image, the, the image that we right, used on right. this t-shirt is actually only about a, an inch and a half big, you know, it blows up well. And so right. I believe that my jewelry scales. And so that was a, a challenge to scale up that turtle and have it, having it emerge up out of the ground in four mounds. And, uh, we used, uh, we used a light colored flagstone to represent a white tribal town among Muscogees. And then we used a Colorado flagstone, which is a red stone to represent the red tribal towns. And so I made a turtle that looks like the tribal towns of Muscogee Nation. And it's in a tribally owned hospital. And which, which is the Council Oak facility, right? Yeah, Council Oak facility, not the tree, but the hospital. Uh, right, right. 
we we did this uh you know you ask if I, i've taken risks yeah that, that's a risk to it's a big it's a big installation with a lot of pieces and it was titled feather dance and so it was inspired uh by our culture and uh kind of referencing one of your earlier questions you know how is it to design do i think about it as a native or do I, am I just creating out of instinct? And so in this situation, I, I, I stepped out of my normal uh, zone, which is jewelry, you know, as a medium, knowing that my designs will scale up. And I designed for the patients and the employees that are at that hospital. They were my real, I, I it was very site specific. I, I think it really helped in my jewelry career, working with people and, and and looking at what they, what their expectations were. So walking into this hospital, I knew that people were dealing with their mortality and they are, uh, you know, you have hope you're, you're, or you're, you're right. depressed or, you know, there's, there's so many uh, range of uh, emotions that are happening in that space. And so I wanted to do something that was inspirational that, is we titled it Feather Dance because there is a, a 15 foot stainless steel pole with egret feathers. They're uh, two and a half foot powder coated steel egret feathers. And we had to make them look like they're floating. And it's a, it's a dance within our culture. That's a form of a prayer. And what I did is I used uh, uh, an arbor, uh, I was two arbors and a gazebo to mount an egret. And so it looks like there's an egret uh, uh, and kind of uh, interacting with that feather dance pole. And uh, on uh, we we brought in a 7,000 pound marble from Georgia, which is original wow. homelands for Muscogee people. And I just made a design that exemplified what it means to come up and have that spiritual interaction, like something coming down, something coming up and uh it's it's a design it's a new design that i made that is on that fountain even though i've never made that before i think it pre-exists you know i'm i'm just johnny come lately to be able to do it in that space <laughs> so you mentioned custom and I, I i assume that piece was a commission piece so when you do commission piece pieces of art or be it jewelry or whatever do you like to be directed or do you like to provide a direction to the client? At this point, I have enough experience. I like to uh, have something to offer. Uh, there are so many other voices out there that I'm, I'm, I like mine now in this part of my career. I, <laughs> I, I think I used to say I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. And now I say, right. this is what I do. This is what I do. Do you, um, when you do commissions or when you do other pieces, do you like to collaborate? Yeah, I like collaborating. It's cool energy. I, I used to play basketball yeah. a lot. And uh, man, it's, it's cool when you get a fast break and uh, you have that trick pass and, you know, you make, can make a goal. Yep. <laughs> and so in art, and you have energy. You don't know what the other person's move may be. You might know their style, but you don't know mm -hmm. their technique. 
And so coming into a project, uh, I remember one of our first projects we did, dang, back in uh, the 1900s, say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did a collaborative concha belt for Santa Fe Indian Market. It was a, a fundraiser uh, to be auctioned off. And we got uh, we got 12 artists together to make one concho onto a belt. And, hmm. uh, you know, having everyone work together, that was cool. I love that collaboration. That that has uh, gone on uh, into, uh, you know, we've made a collaborative necklace. We've done a collaborative silverware. Uh, you know, I, I there's there's a time and place for it, you know. So I don't collaborate a lot, but the times that I do, you know, it's fun. Yeah, that's really good energy. Yeah. It kind of, uh, I think it also is a good way to challenge yourself too, because you, you're absorbing new ideas. You're educating yourself from another artist. And so it might push you just to challenge you that there's a, um, especially them in an arts community like you do, you know, you see other things and you're like, oh, look at what they're doing. Look what they're doing. And you don't want to compare, but it challenges you to try something and take a risk. I, I guess out of your your normal comfort yeah. zone, so to speak. Yeah, that I think one so, of my challenges is how do you make it your own? Right. So, do you think it's uh, important for Native Americans to self self represent themselves um, and telling their story, as opposed to what? Uh, to non natives, you know, there's a lot of. Uh, non-native artwork that's Indian inspired. Let's say I'm doing quotes and quotes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. I, I, I think sometimes if it's, if uh, the culture or, or the heritage is important to uh, understand the artwork, you know, I think that's, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's, it's important to know where uh, the artist is from, you know, their background of why they did that or why they chose those materials, you know, but, you know, sometimes it's, it's good to have context. Other times, man, it's best to let the art speak for itself. Let it be what it is. Right. You know, that's, that's the real strength of a piece of art. You don't have to always go around explaining it. Let it be what it is. So what's next that you want to achieve being an artist? Continue to evolve. Uh, I'm, I'm excited yeah. about sculpture. So you talked about taking risks. Uh, our, mm -hmm. our Muscogee tribe, we had the first, the inaugural show last year in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the River Spirit Casino. And I was, I was honored. I was completely, uh, 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 floored to receive best of show for a necklace called Songs of the Fourth World. And it, it was that woodpecker design behind me that was uh, done in Mokomegane. And, you know, it was a special piece. And, you know, mm -hmm. wow, I, I was just floored by that. So to, to win best of show at an inaugural show in my hometown, uh, you know, I, I was really humbled. So when you talk about risks, I showed up this year at the, at the second annual 
and I didn't enter uh-huh. any jewelry. I entered sculpture no? instead. Yeah. And so that was very nerve wracking for me to, you know, you go from jewelry to in transitioning into sculpture. And so I entered two bronzes and I received a first place and also the, the wow. Muscogee Heritage Award. So that was, uh, that was incredible. And it was a validating, uh, when you ask what's next, I'm moving into sculpture, man. Uh, I've got, I'm getting ready for Santa yeah. Family Market. Uh, I've got it. I've, I've traded my five by 10 booth for a 10 by 10 booth so I can fit wow. bronze. And uh, that's, I'm just tooling up for that. We're uh, finding how sculpture is done in the sculpture community. People support each other. Uh, there's a lot of help in the in the project I did in Oklahoma that we just finished last week. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited for the tribe to come see it because it's uh, my first major uh, uh, marble sculpture, and it's it's a seven thousand pound Muskogee marble from Georgia, and I'm wow. I've shaved off over a thousand pounds of this material, and we're going to give that away to the people that, that come. But there's a team of people that helped me, you know, other sculptors like Ryan and Sean Benali brothers, James Goodman. I, I got to carve this piece at George Rivera's studio on the reservation in Pewaukee. Uh, I've had the support of other mentors, you know, talking about uh, Kelly Haney and all his support mm-hmm. over the years that will shoot. Uh, Kelly Haney has passed on. But he came to visit me in the stars while I was carving that stone. It was so cool. I haven't got to tell his family. <laughs> oh, man, it chokes <laughs> me up. Well, n- but, now um, hopefully they know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've been meaning to tell them that. But it was so validating to, uh, hey, you got me to cry, dude. All right. Um, oh. <laughs> it was validating to uh, uh, get a visit from from the, the chief. Uh, well, it's carbon that's special stone. That's fantastic. And we, we feel it's a, there. a healing stone. And so that's why we want to uh, give that uh, thousand pounds of uh, the stone that we cut off. It has a really crystalline look to it. And so that's why right. I, uh, yeah, I was uh, captured by this stone. And it, it happens the way we got that stone. We actually went to a quarry in Georgia. And it all happened in a good way. And so I, I feel it's meant to be. And we brought something good back to share with the community. And so when you ask what's next, shoot, man, I want to do more. You got to do more. Well, they always say our ancestors and our, our close ones, our spirits are always with us no matter what. So I thoroughly believe that. If you felt him, I'm sure he was there with you, hand in hand, helping you out. Yeah. We showed That's up. It. Yep. He gave you direction. He gave me a little, he maybe, maybe gave you a little push too. <laughs> that little voice sometimes we all hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, uh, Kelly is always smooth. You know, I'd say that about him. He's always smooth. <laughs> Well, that's a good uh, endeavor. So are you at the next show in uh, Swaya, are you just going to do no jewelry whatsoever? Just all sculpt? 
sculptures? Uh, no, I'll do jewelry and sculpture. I, I don't know what we can enter in competition. You know, if you can only get one or the other, mm-hmm. uh, I've got to go look at the, the rules. But basically, it's going to come up That's to showtime fantastic. and I'll, I'll see what uh, I'm inspired by. So do you have any closing words of wisdom? Man, I talk all day, but there's always deadlines. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to doing well, more. Uh, I, I think one of the things I wanted to say was, you know what? I, I'm very aware of, I'm going to run out of time. Just like this interview, it's going to run out of time. My career, the, the ideas and concepts and the, the opportunities that are there, I, I, I would like to take all of them, but... Uh, I think I'll run out of time before yeah. I get get to all of them. Well, you never know. You might live until 120. There's a few out there that have gone beyond expectations. So just keep on living each yeah. day to the fullest. Oh, yeah. I love it. So one one last question. Um, are you represented anywhere or ex- current exhibits besides your own studio? Well, I have my studio downtown Santa Fe, 135 West Water Street. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now I'm by appointment only, but I show work at Manitou Gallery here in Santa Fe. Uh, they're only a block away and uh, they've always supported my work. Uh, also, I have some work at Red State Gallery. They're in Mogi, run by the uh, Muskogee Nation. I have work at First, First Americans Museum in Oklahoma City. <laughs> the Herd Museum. Oh, the Herd? Okay. Yeah. All right. I've heard of that one. <laughs> well, sir, it's been an extreme pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for your time. And mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed this. It's It's been a great opportunity for us to have you. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. Well, you have a good day and thank you. Yeah. Take care.